Welcome to Pool Party Radio. This is the number one podcast for tiki torches in all of Virginia or wherever, North Carolina, wherever that place is. I'm your host, Parker, joined as always by co-host Rizman Cumulus. Hey, Parker. Tiki torches, really? Man, they got those dollar store tiki torches. Man, like if you're going to be an angry mob, I feel like you got to just get like a stick of wood with a rag, a dirty rag. I feel like they don't need any more ideas. Like, <laughs> if you want to give ideas, you're like, man, if you want to be an angry mob, uh, just shut the fuck up and stay at home and learn to love people. How about that? Well, or like get or, a... or get the dirty rag. One of the two. There's no in between here. You can't go with dollar store tiki torches. Get a dirt rag, wipe it all over your face, <laughs> think about your life, and then kill worth... yourself. Yeah. Um, but on better news. We've got a very special guest this week. Hey, guys. Hey, Sarah Murphy. How are you? Sarah Murphy from Illogical Contraption. How are you doing? Um, I'm super happy to talk to both of you and to finally um, just shove Shelby right out of the way as far as Ilkhan representation on Full Party Radio goes. This is kind of my plan. Here it goes. Yes. Elaborate Rube Goldberg machine of a plan that started off with Ilkhan and and now I'm now I'm here. Um, But no, it's been it's been a pretty it's been a horrible (laughs) week in the news. It's not funny. I I shouldn't be laughing about it. But um, yeah, all that aside, it's it's really great to talk to you guys. And, And I've never wanted Wayne to tell a group of people to kill themselves as badly as um, when I was watching some of the news yesterday about uh, Virginia. Oh, yes. Yeah. Wayne, Wayne does not discriminate, mm-hmm. but he hates it when other people do. So, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> Wayne, I feel like Wayne should be utilized like the Hulk. It's like he's going to just like destroy an entire city by telling people to kill themselves. And it's like, so you just got to mm-hmm. point him in the direction of the Nazis and be like, go to work, Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, what are you, Parker? How have you been? I've been doing all right. Uh, you know, same old stuff. I wrote a story for my newspaper about how people should kill themselves, and then like other people got <laughs> mad about it and told me to kill myself. So it's been like <laughs> that's a, weird. It's been a really ironic week. I feel for me personally. Hmm. I've heard a personal irony is really in in 2017. That's true. Uh, it was very ironic that time that Shelby said that he had the best dog of all time, and then he got a new dog. It's like, what are you trying to do over here, Shelby? Yeah, that's <laughs> he's like stacking the deck uh, as far as <laughs> as far as dogs go. But um, if I can segue a little bit into Rambo Chat, because that is like the greatest dog of all time, uh, yeah. Shelby's Shelby's dog. Um, it's it is it doesn't seem physically uh, or cosmically possible to have you know, increase the awesomeness of Shelby's dog having, but, um, he managed to do it with Bootsy. So, uh, I've, I can testify having seen both in person and spent time with both dogs in person. They're, they're very excellent dogs. Yeah. I think they both get like, I don't know, 10 out of 10s, 12 out of 10s. Like I love them. I made memes out of those dogs. At least one of them. I need <laughs> yeah. to figure out some Bootsy. Yeah. They're so good. Like I, I feel like I should be sad because it's like Kepi used to be the number one dog in podcast town, but it's like now Rambo is. And it's like, I'm not even mad. Rambo is clearly better than my dog. Like, I'm, I'm not even <laughs> upset about it. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm going to be like one of those parents who will always have like some other kid in mind. And like, oh, you couldn't be like uh, uh, Richie, <laughs> you know? 
Mm-hmm. That's not gonna be when I like finally get a dog. Be like, oh, you're so great. You're the best boy, except for uh, Rambo mm-hmm. and Bootsy, for that matter. <laughs> There's really no touching those dogs. I'll just say all this to my dog's face as he like looks at me. That's how you should. Looks at me. It, that's how you should do with your children. Just like oh, you guys are yeah. nice children uh, and everything, but I mean Rambo. You seen how much he loved Battle Jacket? <laughs> that's just good. That, that's just good parenting. Mm-hmm. Un, unachievable, unrealistic uh, uh, bar setting for kids. I will tell you guys, though, that one of the hard things about spending time, um, I've spent way more time with Rambo, but one of the, uh, than Bootsy, but spending time with one or either of those dogs is, um, then, then you're not with them after having been with them. And it kind of, um, yeah. it, it colors and tints the rest of your life, uh, with a, with a, you know, more painful hue having yeah, I, having been so close to the sun and then you know not seeing its light this is what i yeah this is where i'm at too like in most cases uh i would give advice to people like don't meet your heroes like if it's some music idol or something like that like it's usually not gonna be what you expect but in the case of uh rambo and bootsy i think it's gonna surpass everything that i ever thought was cool about being alive that once i'm gone i'll be like well i guess that's it then It'd be like chasing the dragon or something. Like I'd just be like, so I get to hang out with these dogs forever, then, right? And then they say, nope, we've got lives to live. We've got to get out of mm-hmm. here, man. The worst part about hanging out with them is they have to leave. Yes, it is true. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, after having said that, I think it is better to have Ramboed and lost than to never have Ramboed at all. <laughs> That's worse lived by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I feel like sometimes, like usually most days, Shelby Cobras will text me a picture of Rambo. But then like sometimes, some days he won't. I'll wait all day long and it doesn't happen. And it's like, those are the most sad days of my life. And so I I can only imagine what it would be like to actually hug Rambo, kiss Rambo, and then to no longer be able to just uh, put your arms around him whenever you want, you know? Yeah, I don't want to deal with that at all. Yeah. I took it a, a step further and Rambo actually stayed um, with me for about five days. So oh, wow. um, the withdrawals after that <laughs> were um, kind of serious. I won't liken it to a drug withdrawal because that would probably not be as you know painful as what I went through was. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But at least <laughs> yeah, there imagine. were a lot of recordings of uh, videos of Rambo and photos of Rambo. So I got to amplify the pathetic factor of missing a dog that wasn't mine that I got to hang out with for a few days by then looking at photos of the time that we had together. I should have sent it to a montage of like a sad Sarah McLaughlin song. Uh, or to if, like play if, over. if I may, and I know this is, I mean, you know better than I do. And I think Sarah McLaughlin works better because of, uh, <laughs> uh, of her association with dogs and like <laughs> sad dog videos. But also I would suggest, uh, Never gonna dance again. Uh, oh, from George Michael. that's uh, so so apt. Yeah, I think that also works in this case. Like you're never gonna dance in parentheses with Rambo. End parentheses. Again. Parentheses or until next time that you see him. End parentheses. <laughs> Do you think that Sarah McLaughlin, like I know her representatives, probably you know signed off on that. Um, horrifyingly traumatic um is it the spca video or aspca um, don't abuse animals so like i'm sure you know obviously her her reps signed off on like the song being used for that do you think she saw the cut that they were going to use um before it went live and before she approved it because that's a that's a brutal thing to air on television (laughs) and i 
I like some kind of ugly and violent entertainment occasionally um, or sad things. I like really sad things, but um, I don't know if I was her that I would want to be associated with like the saddest abused images of dogs um, and have my music associated with that. But maybe she thought the greater good was, was worth it. But do you guys think she actually approved that I, at that level? The I think usage? so. I think that there are commercials. Like I think that they remix the original commercial to like add new sad dogs. And I think that she's in one of them. Maybe yeah, she's in one of them petting a dog. Yeah. Wow. But, but that does have to yeah. be weird as an artist. Like, like she probably plays that song live, and then people probably like just get real super sad, like not about anything she's singing about, but about their dogs that died or something. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a real bummer of a concert now. Well, that song is and already like, set on its end. Yeah. Like it's, you'll remember me, right? No, it's um. Oh, no, it's the, the angel. angel. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, yeah. I think I'm hmm. on the wings of an angel or whatever. In the yeah. in the arms of an angel. Yeah. And I think if I remember my Sarah McLaughlin correctly, um, I really think that song is like it's about drug use or about somebody dying of drug use. So maybe she also rainbowed and lost at some point. And <laughs> that's true. It's it's all just coming full circle for her with bringing it back to dogs. Yeah, our me and Frisbee's hometown of Dayton, Ohio, is the number one town where people have uh, drug overdoses and die right now. And I think. It has little to do with drugs and has more to do with the fact that Rambo has just never been to Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, I, I think that's a I see what you're saying. I like it. Maybe we brought Rambo to Dayton mm-hmm. if uh, if his people will let us have him. I, when I say people, I mean like his PR team right. uh, of, <laughs> of uh, Shelby and whatnot. Since uh going to check with them first. Rambo can't drive a car. I don't know if you all know this. So I didn't he's going to have to like have somebody <laughs> take him to Dayton. But, but if we can did Bootsy? That, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he can. I think okay, Bootsy good. has like some of those, some of those powers. Uh, oof, might be tipping my hat a bit here, tipping my hand a bit here, but it's like, uh, like Scrappy Doo could do a lot more than Scooby Doo, even though Scooby Doo was also a dog who hadn't quite mastered human speech. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Scrappy Doo <laughs> was able to. Yeah, that is weird. Why does Scrappy, like, he was, like, bipedal and, like, knew every Ugh. word? Hey, look, okay. again, I'm not going to tip my hand here, but uh, that's getting <laughs> to our good, the bad, and the ugly for uh, our list. Yeah, yeah. Well, we sh- well, let's tease it like they do on the radio. We've got a good, the bad, and the ugly coming up <laughs> in honor of Sarah Murphy of times that uh, new characters have been added to TV show casts. So we'll yeah, get to that. Yeah, in your case, you've been added to a logical contraption. That's true. It's, it used to be the core four. Now it's the yeah, nickname for the five. I think they say the live five or um, when Shelby is flexing his French, he'll say the dank sank. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't been keeping up with, uh, with the latest iteration of however they're talking about the number, but for the deep cuts Ilkhan heads out there, there actually was a fifth beetle way back in the beginning of Ilkhan. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rusty. The same guy. <laughs> Rusty, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> And they never spoke of him again. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. They, they killed him off. And then, uh, yeah. <laughs> I forget the other and then there name. were four. Yeah, yeah. It was Peter. 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 Thank you. Peter, Piper, Picker. He was actually, he was not even a human. He was just that run DMC song. It was very weird to have him <laughs> yeah. host the show. 
<laughs> but he was so important for those first couple episodes mm-hmm. that they would yes. play that track one more time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so before we get into that good, the bad, and the ugly, as we do with all new guests who come on this show, you've never been on this show, Sarah Murphy. I have not. Uh, you were on the Junk Food Show, one of the, my favorite episodes of the Junk Food Show, because Sean didn't even bother to show up. He said, uh, <laughs> "He said, I don't want to talk about Howard Stern. I hate Howard Stern, and I'm just not going to do it. That's what he told me. I've got yeah. the email. Um, also, should we mention that she's been a guest on my other podcast, The Blind Podsman, the Zatuichi podcast, which I host with Patrick Manfredi. I remember Patrick. He's a top Oh, man. Yeah. I wasn't kidding about it being an elaborate scheme where I worked my way <laughs> gradually, um, you know, taking over and infiltrating several other podcasts before finally <laughs> making it to a uh, pool party. It's my end game the whole time. This is like the James Bond villain revealing like the intricacies of their plot. So I'm here so I can do it. I, I for one, welcome our new Sarah Murphy overlord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm into it as well. <laughs> Uh, but you being a new a new guest here on the pool party, a thing we like to do uh, to let people introduce themselves is if you were suddenly a dictator or a president or however you want to view it, same thing, interchangeable these days. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, is it not? I don't know. Everybody, everybody says the president's a dictator. Was that offensive? <laughs> no, no. I'm just it's it's funny because it's it's true and okay. and we're living it. <laughs> So I have to just laugh because it's, uh, it's, it's real. <laughs> yeah, I think when we started doing this, it was just like a weird hypothetical. You could either be a dictator or the president, but now it's both. Um, yeah, what are some of the laws you would enact if you suddenly had absolute power? Uh, Sarah Murphy, what would they be? Oh, man. So ever since the first time I heard uh, a new guest on Pool Party and heard this concept, I've just, I actually have been thinking about it for the, the day that I would finally um, make it here. And then also, um, if I was in charge, what laws I would, I would actually make. And I, it's a long, it's a long list. I think I would be a pretty um, unrelenting and, and unforgiving overlord, but um, I've cut it down to three for the sake of uh, not taking six hours to go through my agenda. Um <laughs> One one very serious one that I wouldn't think needed to be said, but I'm going to I'm going to say it. And <laughs> it's very serious. And I'm just going to say no Nazis. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really think we needed to clarify that. But given the events of this weekend and not taking for granted that there's lots of idiot, uh, racist pieces of shit in the world and in America. And there always have been. Um, mm. Yeah, just just no Nazis. We'll just we'll just skip it. I'll put my man um, Captain America. I would, I would actually make the actor who plays Captain America into Captain America to like mm-hmm. carry out this, um, this, <laughs> this law to enact this law, because I think he'd be very good at it. Um, Parker, I'm sure you have some thoughts on that as well on, uh, mm-hmm. Chris Evans, um, eliminating Nazis and whatever way he sees fit, but, um, no more Nazis would be one. Um, I, and then I love it. Go ahead. I, I love the idea of Chris Evans being forced to wear the Captain America suit and just being like, just given full reign to beat the shit out of Nazis all day. I love yeah. it. I'm going to, I'm going to say that he probably won't feel forced to do that. I <laughs> oh, think no. he'll, I think that might be one of his first suggestions. When somebody tells him like, we want you to get rid of Nazis. His first <laughs> reply will be like, can I wear the Captain America costume? <laughs> yeah, he would, he would be great at it. And um, yeah, so, so no Nazis. 
Um, so that's my that's my only serious one that I that I'm gonna say right now. Um, and then the other two, um, I know you two probably know this about me, but for anybody who hasn't listened to Ilkhan or hasn't um, engaged in a GIF argument with me in Podcast Town, um, <laughs> I really, really don't like when people are inconsiderate in public spaces of what is happening around them and what other people are doing or what's going on, whether it's, um, no, mostly just in movie theaters, like when people talk in movie theaters <laughs> and it's not like, um, a Rocky Horror revival or a movie where it's like a sing-along or, you know, where everyone is doing that when it's a, a quiet movie and your cell phone rings and you answer it or um, at this point, again, something that doesn't need to be said, but people texting in theaters, um, they should, uh, yeah, that, that should already be a law. I've looked on the books and it's not, and it, it really should be. Um, and I, I don't, I haven't thought of a fitting punishment for if you violate either talking in theaters or texting. Um, but I definitely think like you shouldn't be allowed to go to the movies uh, anymore. You get like a, a two strike warning um, and you don't get to go to the theaters anymore. Cause obviously you don't appreciate what that's all about, what that experience is about. Um, and it, it horrifies me that there are movie theaters or, you know, management of different theater companies that propose um, theaters that are, uh, quote unquote, safe spaces for texting, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. because you need to just stay at home. If you can't stay off your phone for an hour and a half to not have that like little bright light shining in yours and everybody else's face, um, for a while, uh, you need to, you don't get to have the privilege of like going outside and seeing movies. Um, and it's really nice. Uh, there are a few theaters in San Francisco that are pretty serious about enforcing not talking and not texting, which makes me sad that like we're at that stage, but um, it is really great to get to go to those and not have to worry about uh, either of those things. I, yeah. I, oh, go ahead, please. Oh, please, please, my friend, go ahead. Um, yeah, I think uh, cell phone use has taken on this new culture uh, that we probably didn't anticipate. It used to just be like you would text something, you might be looking down your phone, Otherwise, you're pretty aware of everything around you. But now that iPhones are so prevalent and so engaging, or at least we are engaging with them so much, that I'd argue also that it's not just in theaters, but everywhere else too. Like even on streets and whatnot, people aren't. I've encountered this where now I'm trying to be more aware of if people are aware of their own like uh, behavior because they're looking at a phone, like particularly when I'm driving and I see people on their phones while walking, like, I don't know if they're totally with it about their surroundings. And like, if they're at a crossing or something, like they might just bump into my car or something as I'm, as I'm uh, already there. So I try to keep even more distance at crosswalks and shit uh, than I normally would since I'm not sure people are totally engaged in what's around them. But movie theaters for sure. Like they've got, uh, a lot of competition with their phones. Yeah. Their attention. Like, yeah. I mean, if someone is on their phone, so they like bump into my car while I'm driving and then they die, like, that's fine. I just don't want them to interrupt the new <laughs> X-Man movie. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm not like turning the phrase around where it's like, if I were to have hit somebody with my car and I'm like, oh, they bumped into me. <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. Like, I'm stopped 
and they're walking like, oh, there's a car here. Fuck. I wasn't paying attention. Like that's come across. I don't know if that's a, it's not a common thing, but it's a weird thing. Yeah, that happens. But I mean, it's like, at least when they're doing that, like it's I don't, like I cannot, cannot for the life of me understand the type of person who checks their phone in a movie theater because it's like a movie theater is designed specifically to be quiet and to be dark and phones <laughs> are the opposite of that. It's like, I, I, I yeah. don't understand like what, like what compels you? Like even at like, if you go to a concert or something, like it kind of ruins it for other people because like now instead of looking at the band, they're like looking at your dumb phone being held up but it's like it doesn't interrupt it completely and it's like checking your phone during a movie ruins it completely for everyone and i just don't understand like the the narcissism that goes into thinking it's okay to to check your phone it's wild it's wild to me it's the weirdest shit in the world yeah it's like bringing a it'd be the equivalent of just bringing a newspaper and a reading lamp to any of these places (laughs) yeah i um i got to the point where like it, the anxiety of, you know, and I'm, I'm like a, I'm a pretty grumpy grandpa in a lot of ways in my life. Um, this being like a pretty, I think reasonable way in which I'm a curmudgeon about, um, people being shitty, but the anxiety of sitting with people and, wondering if I'm going to have to shush them or tell them to shut the fuck up or, you know, whatever it calls for. Um, the worst example of that and kind of the breaking point for me where I was like, I think I just, I have to be really careful about what movies I go see, um, was not a movie with, you know, a lot of teenagers in it. It was the last time I went to go see a Woody Allen movie in the theater in San Francisco, which was like the perfect storm. I think it must've been, what movie was that? I think it was, um, Whichever one uh, is like imaginary back in time, uh, France, st- you know, streets. Oh, God. Oh, What's yeah. the one where? Midnight in Paris. So, that... Midnight in Paris. There we go. Imaginary back in time. France was the working the working <laughs> title. Um, it's, it's a good but, title. Yeah. The, um, people in San Francisco can be inseparable in general people that go to see Woody Allen movies, I'm including myself in this and I don't anymore after that. That was the last one. Um, were the worst of like, just, you know, it was a lot of like baby boomer aged people talking super loud about like, you know, well, this compared to his last movie or, Oh, did you see that? Like, that's a reference to blah, blah, blah. Like just no, uh, no shame. And the, I, and I, it was surrounded. It was like, okay, the mistake was mine. I should have known better than, than, than a lot of the decision-making process that went into this. Um, but one of the things that I, that I do just, uh, to tune out, um, audio in, in general is in addition to always having my headphones on my person around the city, I usually carry a like pack of earplugs, um, just kind of nice to have around. And because I had already shushed the like obnoxious people sitting next to me and they weren't, you know, listening and I didn't want to go get the usher, like that makes it into a whole, whole thing. Um, I just put an earplug on that side and that whatever ear they were next to. So like my right ear. And so <laughs> it actually helped a little bit. Um, but that almost made it so that I was like, I don't think I can go to the movies for a while because <laughs> people are the worst. Um, and then speaking of movies and my last, my last law, um, this is another thing that really should go without saying. And, you know, people might say it's 
subjective. I, I don't think it is, but I would outlaw um, any future slander against Keanu Reeves. I've had enough of it in my lifetime. I think it's really unnecessary. The man is very good at the things that he is very good at. I wish people would just enjoy him for the gift that he is um, as an actor, as a, as a human being, um, and not think it was cool to like make fun of Keanu. So um, no more of it. I, I think I had it after the second um, cinematic triumph that was John Wick 2 of seeing people like being smug and kind of making fun of him. And you don't have to like the movie, but um, there's this like cool like anti- it's cool to make fun of Keanu Reeves, um, you know, I don't know, culture in our society that I've just no more when I'm, when I'm in charge, um, it's going to just be illegal. You don't get to make fun of him anymore. I like that too. Also, when you say you don't have to like John Wick too, are you being sarcastic or what's, what's going on there? Why would you, why would you say <laughs> such a thing? Yeah, I, you know what? It, hearing that uh, said back to me, I realized that that's like, no, I, you do have to like it. What's wrong with, with anyone who who doesn't like? I mean, I know I've had heated, uh, lengthy discussions with certain co-hosts of mine on Ilkhan who um, were very dismissive about that fine, fine piece of film. Um, Parker, I know we're on the same page around it. Uh, mm-hmm. Jason, I'm not sure if uh, you're Wick woke at this point um, to John Wick too, but... <laughs> Uh, it's it's amazing. I like uh, uh, oh, who's that prog rock artist Wickman, Rick Wickman? Was that one of them? Never mind. There's uh, that's not a very good joke anyway. <laughs> I hated it. Um, but yeah, I have not seen uh, either of those films in their entirety. But from the way that you and that Parker have talked about it, I've got no doubts that it's probably the best action cinema. Uh, separate or together in uh, American <laughs> cinema history. And I love the shit out of Mad Max Fury Road. So that's saying a lot. Sight unseen. I think they're probably great cinema. And I agree with you also. I think Keanu Reeves' uh, slander, I think at this point, we can call it that, mm-hmm. is totally unnecessary. Uh, another friend of mine, she loves Keanu Reeves so much that she made a musical about him. And produced that over, I think, like when she was in Portland, Columbus and whatnot. I respect that. So, yeah, would... there's there's a lot to love about Keanu Reeves. I don't know why people have to be so smug and like dismissive about him. I think it's mostly because of that stupid meme where he was eating a sandwich by himself on the street like a normal ass human. And everybody thought it was so delightful to laugh at because he looked a little bit sad while eating a sandwich alone. Now, all of a sudden, everybody thinks they can make fun of him. It's the like dumbest that. shit in the world. That's the thing about like candid photography. Uh, if it's just a little bit off, then it's going to be persistent for about two or three years. People just being really shitty about it. Mm-hmm. But Keanu Reeves is mm-hmm. a treasure. He's John Wick. He's Bill and Ted. He's in Freaked. Mm-hmm. He's in all the greatest things that have ever happened. He's in Freaked? Yeah, he's Ortiz, the dog boy. Oh, shit. Yeah, what's not to love about Keanu Reeves? I know. And he's great in Knock Knock. I'll go out and say it. I thought at first he sucked, but I've watched that movie like eight times. He's great in it. Perfect. <laughs> a perfect a perfect masterpiece of acting. Yeah. He's great. Speaking of other people who are great, though, we got to get into this good, the bad, and the ugly, where only one of our selections will be a great person. The other two, obviously, will be bad or ugly. This is the thing, if you've never listened to the show before, where we take a topic, 
And then we give good and bad and ugly examples of that topic. Like we said earlier, we're going to do times on TV shows uh, where new people join the casts. And I will go first. I will tell you guys right off the bat. I feel like maybe me and Sarah Murphy might have the same one here, but I'm not sure. Uh, but it's Pinsky from Salute Your Shorts. You guys remember that guy? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Salute Your Shorts is that Nickelodeon show about camping. I think, like, the first season or, like, the first few episodes or whatever it was, was, like, had this dorky kid, Michael, who was, like, the new kid at camp, and he sucked. Like, he had stupid hair, and he was boring and uh, ugly, and I just hated him. And then they replaced him with Pinsky, who's also in Rilo Kylie, and he's very charismatic, very good-looking, very much better than uh, Budnick. Uh, you know, he always outsmarted him and whatnot. And uh, also, he's in Rilo Kylie. So I like him for all of these reasons. Uh, how much do you guys like Pinsky? Or did you even watch this show? Oh, man, after all that, that's... Uh, I think I love him. <laughs> Sounds pretty great. <laughs> I remember that some child actor was in a uh, was in Rilo Kylie. Are there multiple child actors who were in Rilo Kylie? They're all child actors. Is that... Are you being fucking serious? Is that the entire... <laughs> There's at like, least... Is that the band gimmick it's like hey we're rilo kylie we're all child actors one two three (laughs) (laughs) well there's at least two there's pinsky and jenny lewis who i also love right okay i don't know what the other two people in that band are up to i must have forgotten that jenny lewis well no uh pinsky's role in that band because jenny lewis i remembered and i just thought that was like okay yeah do a band whatnot, you know, it's not unheard of for uh, artists to, you know, try different things, do different things. Yeah. You may know Pinsky and Rilo Kylie from singing the songs that aren't as good as the other songs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like the songs that he sings, and they are also not as good as the other songs. Yeah. When uh, we did. Yeah, uh... I... Oh, go oh, ahead, please. No, I was, I was going to say that the, um, I wasn't going to pick that Parker, but I do, I still do sing some of the, the, um, bits from the salute your shorts theme song, um, occasionally, which is, uh, a very, very good theme song. And I'm, I'm happy that of all the things I learned at age, whenever I first saw that show, age nine, age 10, um, that that's really what stuck with me <laughs> is mm-hmm. the, uh, Nickelodeon USA and I don't know, Disney theme songs from the year that we got cable for the first time. In TGIF, uh, this is kind of embarrassing to know, or maybe not embarrassing, but I guess indicative of how we all grew up, uh, as, as it seems to be the case here. Like around Christmas time, I forget some of the lyrics to Christmas songs. Like, it, like my family will get together for Christmas. Like, I don't think anybody in my family is uh, religious at all, but it's like, hey, it's it's winter. Let's get together and exchange gifts. And tried remembering some of the lyrics to Christmas songs and whatnot. Can't quite do that, but we will get on kicks of like singing TV theme songs to which we know all the lyrics to. And I think, uh, so your shirts is one of those <laughs> because it's so memorable. Yeah. Hold you in my heart makes me want yep. to fart. Like that's mm-hmm. awesome. Awesome. Rhyming. <laughs> mm-hmm. And really good Christmas sentiment, I guess, if you're going to, you know, <laughs> think about the messages of the holiday season. And realistic, too, because, you know, we're family. So kind of let it all hang out, farts included. Yeah, I like that. I, li- I think that's a good tradition. 
Mr. Frisbee. Yes. Who is your good? Um, I was trying to think of like times I was excited when a new character was being added. And a lot of times I'll be like, I'm not excited necessarily. I'm like, okay, I wonder what this is going to add to the story or whatever. The last time I was like super excited about a new character being added was when I was a kid. And it was uh, Tommy the Green Ranger from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Mm -hmm. And this was a character played by uh, American actor Jason David Frank. And the the addition to the show that was kind of nonsensical, it was just kind of like they would add American actors doing a storyline that was kind of a B-plot to the action adventure that was happening that was all basically this uh, Japanese program about uh, helmeted superheroes that would just like flip around and kick people. And at the time, this was like, you know, peak entertainment for young kids. And I think it still is like an ongoing thing. They just had a movie last year about this series, right? They did, yeah. Okay, so this was a show that was just overwhelming pop culture. It's like, hey, here's some Japanese stuff of people like, you know, these helmeted people flipping and kicking the crap out of monsters. Uh, I think it's like a common writer thing. And then there's like giant robots in it and a kind of a tacky theme song. And then these like teenage kids going through very dumb plot lines to help make sense of why the monster looks the way it does. But hey, we're going to add this new kid, this new kid's in town, and he's going to make everything awesome. And at the time, he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like the most excited that I got over a character edition. And he followed through on that promise. Like he made the show like extra exciting. So that was good. And it was a dynamic character. Like he had conflicts. He was evil at one point, I remember. I don't remember a lot of it, but he was evil. I looked up this actor's, uh, it has nothing to do with the character edition of Tommy, but um, apparently Jason David Frank is still a mixed martial artist. And uh, he started his own thing here, and I want to run this by you. Mm-hmm. It's a Christian-based mixed martial arts company. All right. Can you guess the name of it? <laughs> oh, does it have like a good pun? I don't think so. Oh, Wait, maybe it does. Is it? You'll the- have to decide for yourself. Is it the Christ Punches? Close. Okay. <laughs> it's called. It's, it's called, not Cross Fit Kickers or anything. Oh, that's. Oh, oh that's you guys are one. so good, so good. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if you'd be able to get this. It's called Jesus Didn't Tap. So. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's but wild. Before we get in on this, he's got it tattooed on his left forearm. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's a wild thing to evoke, the idea of yeah. Jesus submitting to another man's <laughs> chokehold or whatever. It's, yeah, to, to not tapping. Uh, <laughs> and on top of that, it's like, did Jesus really fight anybody? Like, I knew he, like, turned over tables according to those books and shit, but, like, I remember, you know, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> getting into MMA battles, like, performing chokeholds on fucking romans did you refer to the bible as according to those books and shit yeah (laughs) there's like all those fucking iterations just basically revised and edited by a bunch of white dudes like what am i gonna say about that like oh the holy book which fucking one 
like the I like King that James. it's like a like a Harry Potter series though. It's like oh yeah, all those books. <laughs> like, yeah, like... yeah. Oh, oh lordy, there's there's fucking there's fucking Jesus books. Mm-hmm. There's like eight of them. I don't know which is which. There's one. For, there's an extreme one for teens. Like, how are you supposed to take that shit seriously? Like, ugh. It's hard to do. I actually have a very similar tattoo. It's Jesus, but he's like kind of he's doing like a Fred Astaire sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Or not doing it, I guess. <laughs> I uh, Murphy, what is your, your good? <laughs> Sorry, I just got that. Oh, God. Jesus. <laughs> a big no symbol on it. Jesus didn't tap. Mm-mm. He didn't jazz either. Mm-mm. He didn't break dance. He didn't dance that much. <laughs> um, two of mine. You know, I want to make sure that they count. So we'll have to I'll I'll defer to your guys's judgment on this because they're sort of extent. They're not cameos and they're not guest spots in the sense that it was one or two episodes. Um, but I wouldn't say that it was like, well, I won't name other characters, but it wouldn't be like your uh, cousin Oliver getting added to to Brady Bunch, which hopefully wasn't one of your guys's choices. Um, so my good is uh the incomparable um, Leah Remini joining for a brief, beautiful summer, um, the cast of Saved by the Bell, mm-hmm. which I think, um, so I'm not sure if that counts because it wasn't, it was fleeting. It wasn't like she got shoehorned in and then was around forever. Um, but I think that she was a really great addition to an already uh, good show, which I know you guys have talked about extensively and I haven't actually revisited that much as an adult, but I should because she was one of the, few good examples that i could think of um off the top of my head yeah Yeah, i'm sorry her character's name is uh stacy carosi who joined the gang at the malibu sands beach club um Mm -hmm. she's the daughter of the owner of the club and had some interesting uh love interest stuff and a lot of sassy tough new york girl uh accents happening yeah i love that she her parents own like a beach resort but she was obviously a tough new york broad I, that's what I love about her character. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she. Uh, I was going to. Oh, okay. Let's do this. Yeah. She was always talking about getting a real New York slice of pizza and uh, Coney Island chat and all that. It was, uh, it was a hell of a summer. Mm-hmm. There you go. Anyway. Yeah. I think that is unusual. And. If I remember correctly, didn't they like film this during the fall or winter or something? Like, yeah, I think that the they had summer to. programming. Yeah, I think that they had to to like cut down on costs and stuff because beaches are probably easier to rent during the winter than during the summer. Because yeah, like all the episodes were like overcast, like there was no sun ever. It it looked like a pretty dour beach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it must have been like very familiar for somebody from the East Coast. Yeah, very dour out there. Shadows and <laughs> clouds everywhere. Yeah, it's just gray all the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I liked her character a lot. Uh, as we talked about on the show a long, long, long time ago. But like, yeah, she was super fun, and it le- like that six episodes or whatever she was on led me to a lifetime of liking her. Like, I always listen to her when she's on podcasts talking about how Scientology sucks and stuff. Like, I think she's mm-hmm. still cool, mostly because of Saved by the Bell. Same here. It for sure wasn't whatever that like middling 
you know, nonsense comedy was that she was on for all those years, which is how the rest of these yahoos probably mm-hmm. are familiar with her. But she was um, burned into my mind as a young at a young age um, on Saved by the Bell. And I have to say, like, I think that as far as character chemistry goes, like it's kind of a hard group to infiltrate and not be like, you know, annoying or like a weird outsider that doesn't fit in. Um, and considering that she was a total outsider with very different, uh, accent and background from the rest of the cast, like, um, she was a good addition to the, to the show, to their chemistry. I agree. Say by the bell, the college years shows that you can't just throw whoever in there. You can't throw Bob Golick in and expect it to work. <laughs> oh, Bob Golick. <laughs> Bob Golick. He was not good. Uh, speaking of being not good, my bad. This is kind of, uh... Kind of a weird one, is it's more than one person, but uh, I'm going to go with the rotating cast of new bosses that happened on The Office in the later seasons, where like every like three months it would be some different British person being the boss after Steve Carell left, and they like the writers had and the creators had like no idea what to do without Steve Carell because he's the best part of the show and probably the only good part of the show, and now all of a sudden they got Idris Elba and James Spader in there for some reason. And that's when the show got, like, really super horrible, I feel. So I'm going to pin it on all of those rotating bosses. I remember James Spader being on there, but I don't remember Idris Elba being on there. Wasn't? Oh, wait, now I do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of different different new, unnecessary, shoehorned-in bosses. I agree. Yeah, there's, like, that uh, the British lady was there who was, like, maybe she was on Doctor Who or something. I don't know. There was a lot of them. I didn't care for them. And then, like, yeah. like that show added a lot of characters. And then all of a sudden, like, Ed Helms is there, and he's, like, the worst person who's ever lived, Ed Helms. Like, that's Whoa. Show... <laughs> you don't think Ed Helms is the worst person who's ever lived? <laughs> yesterday? Uh, maybe not. Well, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, he was there. Did you not see the photos? Oh, it was... okay. <laughs> he I saw was... a lot of lookalikes. Yeah, they all those Nazis looked exactly like Ed Helms for some reason. Ed Helms does have that look. Uh, I don't know. I just hate him. He was in that vacation remake that sucked. I don't know. He's stupid. But uh, yeah, like that show had, like that show added like thirty characters to the cast by the time it ended, and each time it was like just horrible and worse than the last time. I feel. Definitely bad. Yeah, I didn't watch any of that uh, aside from just like small snippets from like, is that James Spader? Um, And is that that lady from Doctor Who? I remember saying that to myself. But uh, yeah, I didn't know that they that they muddled it so much. But I guess it was already muddled since they got rid of or since Steve Carell had left. Yeah, he took everything. He took all the good stuff with him. Uh, Mr. Mr. Frisbee, what is your bad? My bad, as was alluded to earlier, is Scrappy Doo from the uh, the Adventures of Scooby Doo. <laughs> I forget which iteration it was where Scrappy shows up, but we're all familiar with Scrappy Doo. He was the power pup who used puppy power uh, and could talk perfect English with an East Coast accent. He may have grown up in the same neighborhood as uh, Lee Remini. Um, yeah. But he was supposed to be like the nephew of Scooby-Doo or some relation. And though he was like younger and all this, he was uh, he spoke more fluent 
English, whereas Scooby-Doo like always struggled. Um, Scooby-Doo couldn't stand on his hind legs too much unless he was imitating a person to fool a a ghoul or mm -hmm. a uh, a spoopy character. Mm -hmm. But uh, I guess in a show of like superiority, Scrappy-Doo would always be walking around on his hind legs, uh, which is kind of shitty in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And he could just do a bunch of other stuff, swing from ropes, uh, punch people, apparently with exceeding power and force. I just think all that stuff's bullshit. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess that's not really saying much because it's a cartoon, but also it uh, took away from the, the heart of the show, which is like, hey, we need to solve a mystery. And Scrappy Dude just wants to beat the shit out of people. So I got problems with that. Got hangups. I don't think he added much to the show, aside from like excessive violence and a shitty slogan. Yeah, I, I always thought puppy power was weird because it's like I had known some puppies in my life at that point, and I was like, these puppies don't have any <laughs> power whatsoever. Like they're just dumb little <laughs> balls of cute. So I never understood him. Yeah. Did you like this uh, this small dog, Sarah Murphy? Oh man, I. So I think that th this is like, Jason, you unearthed some like serious um, formative anger that I think I had like blocked out um, when you mentioned him earlier in the episode. And if I think back on it now, this might have been like if there was a category worse than ugly of the good, the bad and the ugly, like Scrappy Doo would occupy that in my heart. Um, I, this might have been um, in my long annoying career of being outraged as a person about things that maybe don't bother other people that much. Um, some of the origin might have started with Scrappy-Doo because I loved Scooby-Doo as a kid and I liked mysteries and I really liked when they would solve them. And I remember being very um, upset as a kid when Scrappy-Doo came on the scene that like they changed the formula of the show um, and it became ridiculous as opposed to before when it was very serious and important to expose whatever ruses um, various amusement park owners or uh, mansion dwellers were up to with this annoying um, obnoxious little dog who until you pointed it out just now I also realized was like lording over um, his uncle with a lot of his uh, speaking abilities and <laughs> ability to walk on his hind legs so um yeah, I, bring, I I can now trace back a lot of my anger to um, Scrappy-Doo. So thank you, guys. This has been, like, maybe the beginning of some healing for me, but also being able to tap into um, that original original angst of a young Sarah Murphy. I'm glad you're able to type into it. But remember that Jesus didn't tap, so keep that in mind. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at these photos of Scrappy-Doo and his body proportions. <laughs> yeah, his body proportion is way off. His head is basically Scooby-Doo's head on the tiniest upright dog body, which is disturbing. Um, I also like to point out that acclaimed Marvel film director James Gunn uh, and trauma personality too, James Gunn, mm -hmm. as we also like to know him as, uh, did the screenplay and co-wrote the story for the first live-action Scooby-Doo film. Um Started quite a few names in it. Sarah Michelle Gellar, Matthew Lillard. Uh, 
Parker, your favorite, Rowan Atkinson. He was in this too. Oh, yeah. I love that, Mr. Bean, eh? <laughs> love him. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I just love his face. Sorry to you too, Sarah Murphy. I, uh, <laughs> but you'll, uh, you might remember that Rowan Atkinson is uh, playing the villain for a while. And it shouldn't be a spoiler at this point, but spoilers just in case. Crappy Doo is the main villain for this movie. And James Gunn loves the fact that he was able to do that because he does not like Scrappy Doo either. Yeah, I think watching that movie is the first time that I realized that like everybody hates Scrappy Doo because he's the villain. And also that movie is a masterpiece and it's wonderful and people should watch it. Have you seen it, Sarah? I haven't. Um, that's actually what year. Do you guys remember what year that movie came out? Uh, it off came the top out of your head. It was uh, 2002. Okay. So <laughs> sort of an unpleasant um, – I don't think it would bother me as much now, but like when I was around that age, it probably was around this, when this movie came out. Um, I, I was, uh, not surprisingly, like a pretty awkward teenager and young adult. Still <laughs> an awkward or older adult, but I don't really care anymore. And I remember um, working somewhere around that time, and my boss – um, it was just kind of a creepy dude in general. Um, we were talking about something and out of nowhere, he was like, you know, who you remind me of, uh, that girl, that chick from Scooby-Doo. And as a fan of their mystery solving abilities and, um, Daphne's like badass wardrobe and hair, I immediately was like, oh, Daphne. And he started laughing in my face and said, no, no, no. The other one, Velma. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> like this, That's awesome. Um, I already hate that little dog. I'm not going to go see this new movie. Um, now I think I'm going to, I'm going to check it out. I've embraced my Velma-ism. She was really smart and I do wear glasses and, and kind of walk like her. So um, I, I will v- revisit or visit for the first time and uh, check out the Scooby-Doo live action movie. Yeah, a similar thing happened to me. I got really mad at the movie Clerks for a while because people would uh, constantly tell me, hey, you remind me of that dude from Clerks. And I'd be like, Randall, my hero, Randall, the greatest fictional character that ever lived. <laughs> and then they'd be like, no, Silent Bob, the fat one. And I'm like, oh, that's Oh, thanks, buddy. As long as you don't follow up like the fat one. What? But also, like, if they. That's the way as I long as you're not, As long as they're not comparing you to, like, the Duck Dynasty dudes. Then I'm, I'm much happier. Yeah, I got uh, that for a while. I'm glad that sh- I don't know if that shows on the air or not, but I don't get Duck Dynasty anymore, which is very good. Yeah, I don't get that too much anymore myself <laughs> either, which is good. It's <laughs> good. Um, so yeah, Sarah Murphy, what is your bad? Uh, so I'm not sure how familiar or positive and feeling you guys are about police procedurals as far as uh, their current iterations on TV go. I don't really watch that many of them, but there was a time and a place um, when Law and Order and Law and Order SVU were totally where it was at for me. Um, mm-hmm. Like uh, cop shows, I really like the character Lenny on um, the original Law and Order. Um, and Law and Order SVU uh, have spent many an hour that I was probably supposed to be doing something else, just watching like back to back to back um, marathons of uh, what happens with the criminal justice system and uh, crimes that are considered especially heinous. Um, but for a while, um, Mariska, Mariska Hargitay, Hargitay, whose name I'm butchering right now, um, she went on maternity leave. And this is kind of similar to Leah Remini, where this is somebody who is it was an extended guest role but um really they should just have not (laughs) included this subplot or this character but it's the character danny beck who came in um 
and was Elliot's partner on Law & Order SVU. Um, you might have seen her most recently in Wonder Woman. She played um, Wonder Woman's mom. Um, and yeah, the actress's name is, I think it's Connie, yeah, it's Connie Nielsen. Um, and mm. she was the character Danny Beck on Law & Order SVU for, I, when I went back and checked, I guess it was only six episodes, but it felt like an eternity. <laughs> uh, they had this like awkward romance or like almost romance with her and um, Detective Stabler. Like she just was like, would go way hot-headed with different subjects, which I would think that would be like, I'd be like, yeah, you, you know, you beat those people up but I, I really didn't like her her character was irritating and this um yeah she just she was shoehorned in in the worst way possible it was awkward um and I wish they had just promoted or given like lent detective stabler one of the other awesome partner options um from the uh rest of the detective pool because I would have much rather seen him team up with Ice T um for a while or richard belson um as opposed to just like oh well we'll just sub another lady and that's like kind of tough and pretty and like see how that works and maybe write in a love story uh so that's my that is my bad yeah that's understandable you would think that they would do that like i hate that in shows where like it's like two people and then one of them leaves and then they have to replace 50% of the people you care about like they did that on i never watched x files but they did it on x files and i can understand why people hated that show for it and other shows i'm sure there's other shows where that's happened like you know on salute your shorts there's like seven kids so when pinsky comes in it's not too huge of a deal but on shows like that where it's like yeah like the two main people investigating these heinous crimes and you replace one of them like that's the whole show just wrap it up you can't replace somebody <laughs> in that situation mm-hmm. yeah i remember um uh, dating someone who really loved SVU and loved those two characters and shared, like, expressed the same grief. And I did not remember that person's name, Joe Marlowe. But whenever, like, one of those episodes would come on TV, it would she would just, like, sigh overexpressly. It's like, it's a Joe Marlowe episode. And, like, try to have to occupy her time for an hour until that marathon would continue. And that's how they show that. Sh that's how they show that show anyway. Right. Like, if you still have cable and whatnot, they will uh, just show back to back to back to back to back Law and Order SVU. If you're feeling like especially uh, masochistic and just want to like think about the worst things in life, but also with the beacons of hope that are Elliot Stabler and uh, oh, what was uh, Olivia Olivia Benson? Olivia Benson, yeah, Mariska's character, because um, they're like the shining forces of justice in those episodes. I wasn't mm -hmm. addicted to it, but like if it is on, like if I'll be doing laundry or something, I'll just let it roll. Cause it's usually pretty interesting. And I like both those actors anyway, Mariska and uh, uh, Christopher Maloney. And I know he left and they did end up replacing him. And I wonder why, like, I think I had just kind of fallen out of watching the show as regularly by that point. So I wasn't as upset as, you know, okay, she's gone for maternity leave for a little bit. Like, let's, you know, let's shove somebody else in there instead of like, I would much rather have more time with, um, yeah, Richard Wilson or Ice-T than some lady that, you know, is going to have a like, whatever, half-hearted, almost romance with one of my main dudes on the show. So, um, yeah, she's bad. That was bad. 
And this show is still on, by the way. 19 seasons. <laughs> well, crime never stops, Frisbee. It's a lot of hate. Yeah, there's a lot of heinous crimes. <laughs> yeah. You know, especially heinous crimes. Especially heinous crimes, yeah. <laughs> dunk, dunk. Uh, speaking of especially heinous, my ugly is probably very predictable for me. It's uh, the time that Dawn joined the Buffy, the Vampire Slayer show. Uh, mm, okay. Buffy, just for some reason one day, had a little sister. Never talked about having a little sister uh, for five seasons or whatever. Then one day a little sister shows up. And it was very confusing. But uh, spoiler alert for the Buffy show. It uh, it was like kind of plot driven. She was kind of made out of magic or something. So that's why she suddenly appeared. But uh, that was the season. Like, So she was like super annoying and played by Michelle, Michelle Trachtenberg, who was like not a good actress. And I love her on Pete and Pete, though. That's where I, like, I have fond memories of Michelle Trachtenberg as, uh, as a young actress with like different cast in her arm. Is uh, Nona, Iggy Pop's daughter on The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Yeah, she was good there, and she was good as, like, Harriet the Spy, I'm sure. But Yeah. Uh, yeah, but they gave her, like, a lot of emotional stuff to do on this Buffy show, so not very good. And so she was, like, super annoying. All she did was, like, cry and whine about, like, how she was, like, not a real person. She was magic or something. And the show was supposed to end that year, and, like, her story was going to be played out. But then... They kind of at the last second came back for two more seasons. So now they just had this stupid, annoying character that nobody liked who they had to find stuff to do for two more goddamn years. And it was just the worst. She was the worst. And it makes me upset. I have to fast forward all her scenes on that show. I just fast forward right through them. Skip right past them. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, man. That's a bummer. Like, I've got mixed uh, feelings about that character because I... uh, I remember when I was first trying to watch it, the same person who liked SVU actually really liked uh, Buffy, so I was trying to watch to um, catch up on that. And that season, when she's introduced, it is this, it's not executed well. Like the story, that what they're trying to do and be like, hey, this is a mind fuck for everybody here because this person just appeared out of the ether. But the more I think about it, the more I like it as a commentary about when shows introduce characters. Because mm-hmm. that's, it's the cast is reacting more appropriately because they live within the show. And it's like, wait, why is this new person here? What is going on? Like, I didn't have a sister much in the same way that like some families probably didn't have a cousin that suddenly shows up for a few seasons of a sitcom. So I thought it was, I think it's funnier now to me than it was then. And I, I'm pretty sure that wasn't the intent of it, but I think it's like, it provides that commentary where, you know, it can be funny. Yeah. I think they play with that a little bit. And, like, it's funny as, like, a meta joke about, oh, here's a new character, but it's bad as a dramatic thing where you're supposed to care about this stupid new character who's taken all the screen time away from Spike and Xander and Willow. I don't need that. Did you watch the Buffy show, Sarah Murphy? (laughs) I did not. I'm sorry to say – sorry for many reasons, but uh, mostly because I – can't share your outrage and i do like to be outraged about things so uh yeah that sounds like um not a good fit for a, a what you know i understand to be a very beloved show yeah i'm sorry that i ruined season five for you in case you ever get around to it. <laughs> i don't know if you call it ruining but well yeah waka waka <laughs> also in- I, I just want to mention uh if like, i'm sure a lot of people who 
uh, watched the Buffy show would put the character of Riley on their ugly part of this if they were doing Good, the Bad, and the Uglies. And if you're one of those people, you can get right out of my face because Riley is dope and he should have been on every episode of every season. And I just love him. I just want to throw that out there, Mr. Frisbee. <laughs> and Riley was the one who was the uh, the soldier. Yeah, he was the he was the good old boy. He was Captain America on Buffy. Yeah, he was I was the greatest. Say, he's thing. Captain America, except they give him robot parts. Yeah, like my, Inframan. Yeah. I saw Inframan for the la- for the first time last night. I forgot to bring this up earlier. Have oh, you seen good... Inframan? Yeah, it's a before. Good I love it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it was great. I was gonna say they replaced uh, Riley's uh, organs and bones with robot parts and circuitry. Yeah, well, just like Inframan. Sometimes that happens. That's what you know, happens in real life. Yeah, it's a real deal. Yeah. Got to fight some vine monsters. Yeah, get what? Inframan. Get yeah. Well, anyway, sorry. That's um, my, what's your ugly? My ugly, my ugly is the character Frank Reynolds from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He's played by uh, Danny DeVito, and he's introduced in a very sudden way at the start of the second season. And I, I liked that show. Uh, it was one of the first things I saw when I uh, got back from being overseas uh, teaching and whatnot. You had shown it to me, like you and uh, Don. I remember correctly. You're like, oh, yeah, there's a show. It's always sunny. There's only like five or six episodes at the time. And when I dug into it, it was uh, not only did I find the show like very, very funny and entertaining, the chemistry that was already set up between the four actors. I liked how that show came about where it's like, oh, yeah, they just they sent a uh, a pilot as part of the, this kind of gimmicky thing. It's like show us what you can do with on your budget and, you know, do what you can. It was almost like a 48 hour film fest thing, but in anticipation to get a TV show going. And this is what that crew was able to come up with. And I dug it and I felt like the humor was hitting the right marks. And it was a, uh, you know, I kind of liked Seinfeld at the time. So I thought this was like a better version of Seinfeld. Um, Wait, you only like, you only kind of like Seinfeld. Yeah. After what? trying to revisit it lately, it's Fuck. that it's difficult, man. The fuck? There's a lot of hot. There's a lot of hot takes happening right now. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I feel like I got to sit down. I got to take this information in. (laughs) Do you normally podcast standing up? (laughs) (laughs) He stands up and he's pacing like uh, Bogdanovich and in that radio movie. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Talk radio. Yeah, I. I stand up while podcasting just in case somebody hits me with a real hot take and I got to sit down afterwards. This is... <laughs> yeah, it's it's the withholding from sitting down that really makes it happen for him. Um, yeah, man, I yeah I used to like Seinfeld a whole lot. And maybe it's just because I haven't watched it in a long ass while. But like there's some stuff that I just haven't like I've tried watching again. And it's not like as great as I had originally Ooh. thought. <laughs> oh my god i'm so sorry uh but anyway i liked what <laughs> should i keep going or is please, it, am i done please continue i just i gotta i gotta i got a lot to think about please continue okay well yeah they tried to introduce frank reynolds on this this other show that's not seinfeld um and it's done in a very weird way like it's not unlike how you describe uh, Don being on uh, Buffy. And it, it just seemed very forced. And they kind of addressed that in, in that episode, too, where it's uh, 
it's Frank, this Frank character is like, hey, I just want to be part of your gang. I want to be part of this gang and your, your yuck mups and your goof mups and stuff. And uh, he ends up being on the show like, well, since that episode. But as he cu- as he stays on, like he's delivered some of the funniest lines and is um, one of the best additions to a show. So at first, I did not like this edition at all. Uh, but now I think he does some like uh, some really good work with it. Has been very funny for the show. Yeah, I agree. I hated him for like the first three episodes he was on, and then I I grew to love him. He's very funny. And I think he's Seth Kuzer's uh, role model because Seth Kuzer posts like eight pictures of him a day on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that definitely helps with the bias and uh, and the view that like yeah he was a good addition is like seeing Seth Kuzer post a lot of his stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, do you still watch Seinfeld? Like, I didn't realize this was such a. I'm not saying that as like a as a taunt or anything. Like, I I just had no idea that you held it so close. Like, to me, it's been, like, Buffy, and then most other stuff can take to the wayside. I did not know you were such a <laughs> Seinfeld fan, aside from Kramer. Like, I know you love that Kramer. Well, I like Kramer. Uh, yeah, you don't like the actor. That's uh, <laughs> who's, I don't who's know what you're trying to insinuate. It. Yeah, <laughs> just the character. That's yeah, all. that show's the best show that's ever existed. It's like, it's just dudes talking. That's, like, my whole aesthetic. Richard Linklater, Seinfeld. I just love dudes talking as entertainment. That's my main form of entertainment that I enjoy. Podcasts. Yeah, I didn't know. And by dudes, <laughs> I, I mean gender neutral dudes because Elaine is not a dude. Yeah. <laughs> but Seinfeld is, pretty, Seinfeld is pretty dude heavy uh, as far as characters go. So you don't have to, you don't have to walk away from. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to walk back. Version. Right. It is a three to one ratio on that show mm-hmm. ratio of like it was a common thing like anytime there's a scene make sure there's three dudes to every, <laughs> to every lady there. yeah well it was that was how it was mandated by the fcc back in the 90s you had to have three mandated dudes. man being the operative mm-hmm. part of that what about you sir Did yeah you Seinfeld, were you a fan um yeah i was and i actually earlier this year um started re-watching it from the beginning because uh as we've mentioned a few times on the show it's been kind of a banner year for shitty news and shitty things happening extra shitty things happening in the world and i was like maybe i'll go back and watch um something i used to enjoy and see if that kind of takes my mind off of uh the world as a flaming shit pile um two examples of that being watching cheers and seinfeld and both of those have been really great to go back and revisit so um so i think you stand alone the the cheese definitely stands alone right now jason as far as like seinfeld not holding up um or still being kind of like it's like my emotional tv comfort food uh in the stress eating (laughs) of uh media in 2017 so it's been yeah it's been great to go back and watch and i feel like it holds up oh shit okay well i trust both y'all's taste on on this sort of stuff, so I guess I have to start from the beginning too and see what I'm mis- what I'm missing here. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think it's played out. I definitely don't think that uh, it's something that I'd want to go back to. But maybe I am missing something. But yeah. I, I also like dudes talking a lot. Um, I I like Richard Linklater movies. Mm-hmm. I like 
you know, things that don't necessarily have a lot of plot and are people talking like I, it, for as uncomfortable as it is to watch, um, in general, like curb your enthusiasm is sort of the best, uh, example of not a lot happening and people just like kind of talking and complaining. Um, and see, and it, that's it, it moves. It moves my spirit, <laughs> my, ang- funny, my angry heart. <laughs> <laughs> funny you mentioned that one, because that's one that I had been thinking about returning to recently was Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I think it was after you posted that gif of Larry David <laughs> saying pretty, pretty, pretty good. Because I love that fucking show. Like, that's one that I still think about. and like, I'll smile at different scenes. But I haven't actually thought about Seinfeld that much recently. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. I, I mean, New York is way different than how they perform on that show. Like, I guess that's one bland excuse, but that's not quite an excuse. Does not ha- has not come to mind. That's weird. Sarah Murphy, as a fan of Cheers, <laughs> would you ever consider starting a podcast where you review Cheers and call it All Malone? That's um, uh, that is a wonderful idea. Parker that I feel like someone else already had. Um, but I, I would definitely listen to that. I'm not enough of a cheers expert, more of a casual, um, fan, but I, I would definitely listen. That show has been really, really awesome to go back and and watch, uh, in 2017. Well, I feel like no one has done that show. So if they had the idea for it, it's, it's out there. Anybody can do it now. Okay. You could do a, a podcast about Cheers, and like the alternate title of it could be uh, Christy Alley or Shelley Long, and with a question mark at the end, because that was my one of my favorite running gags on any sketch show was on Kids in the Hall. It'd be people like talking about like, wait, is that Christy Alley or was that Shelley Long? Oh yeah. And they were talking about the two different um, uh, lead female actresses for that show. But it'd just be two people on the sketch show, like talking about who was who and who was doing what. I remember that happening. Uh, Sarah Murphy, what is your ugly for this finale of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly? Yeah. So this is after I kind of was, you know, took advantage of using guest spots as, you know, my way of, of belittling a woman detective um, <laughs> and. Uh, exalting Leah Remini. I'm really stretching the limits of what counts as a additional character being added um, to a show with what I'm going to say. But after Jason's hot takes, I'm really not worried about it because <laughs> um, anything is going to look mild uh, by comparison. But um, hopefully you guys uh, will understand this is coming from a very heartfelt place. I don't have very many regrets in my actual real life, one of the few ones that I have, have is not getting onto The Price is Right when Bob Barker was the host of the show. I really, really like game shows. Um, I really enjoyed The Price is Right as a kid, uh, and I love Bob Barker. He is um, definitely uh, in my top three game show hosts of all time. And uh, when he was replaced with Drew Carey, um, it was a sham and a crime against everything that um, the Price is Right stood for and that uh, daytime um, product placement game shows <laughs> have meant to me <laughs> my entire life. Um, and I am still angry about it. And I know Bob Barker didn't feel super great about it either. So this is this is really kind of twisting the original intent of this, but it's the 
one of the things on television that I feel the most strongly about, because I don't really think Bob Barker was ready. He has said that he wasn't necessarily ready to retire and he is definitely beloved um, in spite of a few, uh, a few touch and go controversies and scandals here and there, but, um, Oh yeah. He, shit. Yeah. <laughs> but he's a, an amazingly charismatic, um, game show host, funny guy, charming, um, great advocate for spaying and neutering one's pets. Um, and Drew Carey sucks and should not <laughs> be on that show and is not in the same league as Bob Barker. And I've never watched uh, longer than 30 seconds of an episode that he's hosted. And I used to love the price is right. So, um, it's a lot of heartbreak when that, uh, that character uh, was added <laughs> into a very beloved TV show of mine. Yeah, that's understandable. I, I liked Bob Barker probably mostly because of uh, happy Gilmore. Like I think after that, I was just like, yeah, this Bob Barker guy rules. Even though I like, would only watch the show every once in a while. The uh, the the Price is Right, but uh, yeah, Drew Carey sucks. Every like I'll I'll watch it every once in well not watch it, but like I'll be like flipping through and it'll be on, and it just bums me out. He like I don't know. He's got like a weird haircut now. I don't know what's going on with him. He's not funny. Like Bob Barker was like very warm and inviting, and it seems like Drew Carey is like on some weird smarmy shit, and it's uh, mm-hmm. I just don't care for him. Yeah, I. I... I mean, definitely with like the ugly portion of this, uh, of these talking points, it can go as just like straight up weird and you don't like it. And it was a weird transition, like to bring on Drew Carey, who I, I guess they took on because he did whose line is it anyway? Like that's the only thing I can imagine him hosting that was somewhat game show oriented. Yeah. And he was pretty, he was pretty, pretty, pretty good at that um yeah but that doesn't qualify one sorry to interrupt that just that a lot of hot hot feelings uh about that still it doesn't qualify one to take over one of the most beloved uh game show institutions which is maybe what you were going to say and i'll let you get back to saying jason no yeah he's he's pretty good as that uh (laughs) as that host for whose line but otherwise i would not have I guess it just would never have come to mind for uh, of uh, Drew Carey being the host. Otherwise, so it's definitely a weird, weird pick, and he's still hosting it, right? Mm-hmm. He is. Okay. Um, but yeah, like I guess the belovedness towards Bob Barker. Like I remember uh, since my grandparents were usually watching me when I was like a, a toddler and stuff. Kind of like in the same sense of a. Uh, that I thought uh, Mr. Rogers was just one of my grandfather's friends who had a show because he was also elderly. <laughs> I, I think I probably thought the same thing about Bob Barker. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, time to watch Bob. <laughs> just assume that like, he lived down the street or something. He's like, I got to do this show now. And, um, and talk about the prices of different stuff. <laughs> So, so yeah, he was, he seemed closer than he actually was. Um, and, and to like just replace him with Drew Carey, it does seem kind of like an afterthought. Like, I don't think they, maybe they did have like high hopes that Drew Carey was going to be like the next great game show host, but I mean, come on. Like Bob was on there for 
to what, like uh, 2007? Mm-hmm. It was a Pretty long late. time. Yeah, it was just like 10 oh, years. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, can't really, can't really compete with that. And he's still kicking, too. Like, that dude is still mm-hmm. alive. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, screw you, Drew Carey. Also, <laughs> as far as whose line is it anyway, like, Wayne Brady was on that show, and now he hosts uh, Let's Make a Deal. And he's awesome oh, on that mm-hmm. show. That show is great. Price is Right should have got Wayne Brady. Is what I'm trying to say. You might be right. Yeah, yeah. Wayne Brady can do like anything, though. Man, I do. And I'm wondering if uh, Price, uh, whose line is still on? And I guess if they're like churning out game show hosts for the next era, I think uh, Aisha Tyler is still hosting. I think she's great, but I I can't imagine like her wanting to do a game show. But maybe she does. Like, what would she end up hosting if if they were to transfer over to some like a uh, 1970s game show? Uh, that. The uh, the one with the whammies. I would watch that all day. Press your luck. Could be it. Yeah. I'd be into that. I think about this a lot when it comes to, I mean, long may he reign, but um, Alex Trebek, I'm sure, you know, there's some sort of like, I don't know, uh, plan for whoever will ascend to the Jeopardy throne um, whenever that ends up happening. And I just, I don't think those shoes will be, they should just actually not do Jeopardy anymore. When Alex Trebek is done doing it, there's nobody that can, and I, and I have a contentious <laughs> relationship as an adult with Mr. Trebek, but you can't replace, you can't replace some of these people. They're, they need to be buried with their game shows whenever they die and they should get to host until they die or quit and not be pushed out like Bob Barker was. Mm. Yeah, I guess, yeah, maybe she should, like, she'll do her own game show. It'll be the best and unreplaceable. Yeah. That Alex Trebek is a wild dude. I think I get upset. Oh, man. I get, like, furiously upset with him, like, once every episode. I don't even watch it that often, but the wife watches it a lot. we got, like, 80 (laughs) episodes saved in our DVR. And he'll say something every single episode that I just, like, want to break my TV. It's wild. It's a wild man. (laughs) Yeah, I remember what uh, what caught me off guard because I don't watch the show uh, uh, regularly, but I'll I'll see clips online of those those uh, really egregious moments. And one came out last year where this girl was talking about like um, it, it was like nerdcore rap or something like that. She was talking about being into like nerdcore rappers. Uh, I can't remember any names of any of them, but you know the ones I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Talking about yeah, MC and front a lot. Thank you. Yeah, is it front a lot or fronts a lot? I don't know. Who cares? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, and that was basically his. <laughs> instead of being like polite to a guest on his show, she's talking about this, and she's like, "It's a, it's a music genre mostly for." And then he just cuts in and goes for losers, and then like the crowd starts <laughs> laughing, and it's like Jesus. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's when he's at his best is when he doesn't give a shit about anybody. Like, people will be like, oh, yeah. Like, he'll be like, what's important about you, contestant? And they'll be like, oh, one time I went to go look at rocks in Hawaii. And he's just like, okay, whatever. And, like, he just goes on to the next person. Like, it's great when he doesn't care about people. But uh, then other times he, I don't know, he, like, gets on people for their their pronunciations of French words. And it's like, all right, Alex. Trippin. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's – I'm going to – uh, say bold thing and say that's probably him just being Canadian, right? Because he's Canadian, he, isn't he? 
Yeah, but he also, he goes way over the top with his pronunciation of, like, he'll do it with Spanish words, too. Um, and it comes across as generally pretty dickish um, and a little or a lot smug. But one of my favorite Trebek uh, phrases that he can say and either mean it sincerely or it's, like, the most cutting insult is during the... Um, contestant getting to know you time which i actually usually don't watch because it <laughs> makes me anxious <laughs> and <laughs> you don't know when he's going to call somebody a loser outright yeah yeah or like people, you know people when people try to be funny it's 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 too much for me like when i'm bracing for people talking in theaters i don't know what's going to happen at that point it's usually not good um but when he when trebek says um good for you and sometimes he means it and sometimes he really does not and just means like shut up loser uh good for you and um yeah it's it's a good phrase to in in my own life use uh with multiple meanings sometimes not not good ones yeah yeah i yeah well i think we all got those those turns of phrase yeah, I've got a, a good opportunity for you to use that phrase now as we look ahead to Wayne's podcast town news. Uh, Wayne is our man in the streets. He does the news, if you haven't heard him before. Um, he's also like a pretty good addition to a, an existing cast on a show, if I say so myself. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, here's Wayne with the podcast town news. Podcast town's a place on Facebook where cool people go to reply with gifts. And to look at Patrick's posts about uh, weird saw-like contraptions, and uh, if you're if you're not there, we got Wayne here to tell you what happened uh, in the week prior. So here is Wayne with the podcast town news. It's a long one, I guess. He had a lot to say. News. So my usual podcast town is filled with people shit posting their podcast. I mean, there's a guy on right now as I speak at around one o'clock doing a live Q&A from his porch. Um, and I think he's a movie podcast. I don't know. Some dude just in, a, in like a white beater talking on the fucking internet. Dude, seriously, get a life. Just lame fucking bullshit. Anyway. Um, I mean, like, I like the fact that Mike Dick, over the last couple weeks that I haven't done the show, Mike Dick went in, went in and did some, you know, cleaning up, uh, added some new rules to the sticky, which I love. He uh, also kind of... Shamed a bunch of uh, one guy for constantly shit posting. I mean, um, there's an understanding when, when Patrick does it, it makes sense because the guy just all he does is troll. So it kind of makes sense. The last post he posted was something of some kind of crazy tweezer tool his wife uses, which is like a scary nightmare for him. Um, Kevin posted a really good post about kind of white whale stuff, like either like TV or film or stuff like that, which is really awesome. A really kind of cool post. It's almost over 160 comments. Um, I don't know. What I'm mostly kind of interested in is talking about the stuff that I've found over the last couple uh, days. You know, the fact that, you know, what is it? We have, from in the last month. Wayne's so lethargic on this episode. Usually he's amped up. Only 49 new, new yeah. members in the last. Maybe he's sad. 28 days. Hmm. Um, a total of 14.9K you know, comments, posts, or reactions in the last 28 days. That's up by 20, 34%. Um, my members just keep going up. You know, we have 1.4K of members, which is interesting. 
percent of them are probably podcasters who don't know what the fuck they're walking into. And the other ten percent are you know con guys, pool party radio. It's like a stock market report. No, <laughs> it's like it's like real news all of a sudden where he's like giving us statistics. Fun, you know, friend along the way. We have the Ilcon is up three points this week. <laughs> ding ding ding! It's time to buy pool party radio. <laughs> States, 77, three, 77 people from the United Kingdom, 61 wow. people from Australia, which is interesting, <laughs> 23 people from Canada, 8 from Sweden, 7 from Ireland, 7 from Germany. He is just doing the numbers. Sweden, okay. Brazil, <laughs> Breaking down the numbers. Where the fuck are you getting this show? This, why are you on this fucker in, in India? We're going to get a seven-day forecast crazy, next. Um, top cities, <laughs> 67 people in New York City, and I think that's 63 people in LA, 29 people in the United Kingdom. 26 people, mostly Illicon idiots, except for Sarah Murphy, I, and Al, I'm totally fine with those people. So, 26 people from there, 15 people from Chicago, 15 people from Boston, 14 people from Portland, 10 people from Arizona, and two of those are Patrick and his wife, and 10 people from Chicago. What else do I have here? 15.6% of the people Cunts. Um, the most common reactions are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and the weekends suck because no one's on Facebook on the weekends. You know, they're having their, they're living their lives. They're not fucking sitting at work, not doing a goddamn thing. Uh, so those are the kind of things I found. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Like I said, podcast town is a fucking hell. That people just oh they see the word podcast and they go oh I'm gonna add my podcast to it. Go fuck yourself. I hope you're dying of fire. I hope you're. Wife gets AIDS. <laughs> I hope your whole family is run out of whatever state or country you're living and left into the sea. And uh, overall, I wish you, you know, the best of luck with dealing with you, know, <laughs> you fucking cocksuckers. I think that's about it. You know, a good five minutes is good for this. So, uh, eat a dick. Love you, Parker. Love you, Frisbee. Love you, Sarah. Bye. That's. That's the Wayne Podcast Down News this week. Oh. Wow. Ay, ay, ay. A lot of interesting facts there. A yeah. Lot of statistics. Uh-huh. And glad that he loves us. That's great. Sounds like sounds like he's got a, a source in somewhere in Podcast Town to get all that inside information. I know. It's a good thing he's not an admin, otherwise he'd be giving us all the stats on like uh-huh. who's posted how many times with how many comments yeah yeah sounds like whoever leaked this probably did so maybe knowing that and uh yeah i wonder i wonder about all this very interesting episode of pool party radio for me to be on so oh, hmm. God. <laughs> we gotta find out who the leak is <laughs> that was awesome well done okay yeah, I love I love Wayne too. That's great. Yeah, he prefaced it when he sent me the email. Uh, he said, "Look, it after one in the a.m. here," and that's all it says. 
Well, the news never sleeps, Parker. I don't know if you know that, but <laughs> it sounds like Wayne is teaching us all that. He's a very good journalist. You all taught me so much about numbers today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> well, with that, I think that wraps up the show. Sarah Murphy, I would like to thank you for being on the show this week. Oh, thank you guys for having me. This was uh, so much, so much fun in uh, a kind of dismal, dismal news of the world weekend. Um, really, really fun to get to hang out with you guys and talk about um, TV shows that we love and hate and uh, Jason's hot takes on <laughs> Seinfeld. Seinfeld and Grandpa Friends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still sitting down. I gotta. I got. I got to go see my psychiatrist after this and try to make sense of all this. Uh, I also learned that uh, Wayne's news is the only news that I can use. That was great. That's true. I I thoroughly enjoy like the leaked information that he's getting. Also good. Um, uh, Yeah. I kind of wish he had his own broadcast channel or uh, show, whatever. He's He's got a show. He's got our show. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only one that matters. No, he has his own show. He has his own show too. That too. Yeah, he's got a different show, but it's not like news oriented. No, thank you, Wayne, for such hard hitting reporting. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Wayne. Uh, Check out Wayne at motionpicturemassacre.com, maybe. I don't know. Just Google it. Check out Sarah Murphy at illogicalcontraption.com. Listen to that show. Listen to Frisbee's shows at Uichi, the Blind Podsman, the Blind Swordsman. Google the Swordsman Blind. <laughs> the Blind Podsman is at Uichi Podcast. <laughs> and also look for, uh, I guess, Sarah, you're going to be on there too, as well as myself in the future, the All Kill Podcast. It's uh, Patrick's other podcast. Yes. Uh, Special episode 400 extravaganza. For I think it's episode 400. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Both of them are episode 400, <laughs> even though they're different episodes. Um, but yeah, I should say so. Uh, illogical contraption is on radiovalencia.fm live on Sundays from six to eight PST. Um, if, in case anyone ever wants to listen live to those shenanigans, uh, yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, check out poolpartyradio.com for all of our stuff. Uh, find us in Podcast Town. Go buy a Ghoul Summer shirt if they're still available. Uh, that way, it'll make us watching those Bills Above movies worth it. Uh, I guess that's about it. Until next time, this is Parker for Sarah Murphy and Cumulus Razorman saying thanks for having fun.